Welcome in. Brand new Friday scramble. July, July 1st, 2022. That's unbelievable. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Andy Lack. Andy, good to have you back, bud. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's been a uh, it's been a rough 48 hours for me with the Knicks giving $100 million to Jalen Brunson and uh, a very slow start for my beloved high flyers. But we're working through it, and uh, it's great to be back with you today, my friend. Well, I know you've been a lifelong High Flyers fan, so I do, <laughs> you know, send my uh, empathy towards towards you in that you played uh, a lot of golf, from what I understand, which is like the best way to spend spend your time. Yeah, no, I went out to Chicago um, for a couple of days, uh, got in around at Butler, which is, you know, one, probably one of the fifty best courses in the world, and then I also played at um, another course, Chicago Highlands, which blew me away by the way um was hosted by a big fan of yours as well and a rick run good subscriber uh wow. that i met through the podcast so Sick. shout out to ryan feeney I, i'm sure he's listening um but yeah no it was an incredible 48 hours and um that's kind of the stuff that i will happily do like if somebody invites me to play golf at a special course i will travel halfway across the country for 36 hours to play but i'm crazy that's sick well well worth it it sounds like couple of comments rolling in uh let me roll through these real quick first off farmer john is asking about specific cut numbers so the the john deere classic is currently in a weather delay so they're not playing as we speak which is kind of good for what we're about to embark on um go to cutsweats.com or follow cutsweats on on twitter they'll have all the information brian is asking the hard-hitting questions do i prefer east coast or west coast andy hmm east coast andy i think is you know andy in the big city he's got a little bit of spice <laughs> to him he's feeling good he's got feeling ab vibrant. abstract art in my background yeah but i uh i i feel bad that this is now like his lunch hour on the east coast when normally it's like morning coffee time on the west coast i feel like it's more intrusive uh the, i feel like the time is more intrusive for you andy when you're on the east coast a little bit because on the west coast like tuesdays and friday scramble days those are golf days for me too because you know we're done at 10 a.m so i could go play golf when i'm done the noon time makes it a little bit more challenging for that but on the positive side, I do feel more awake at this time of day. I feel like I've allowed, like I've already gotten a ton of stuff. I've been up for five hours. I've gotten a ton of stuff done already. So there's pros and cons to it. But I, I, I'd probably say East Coast Andy is my favorite Andy. Yeah, East Coast East Coast Andy's a different vibe, which is good. But uh, you know, you gotta have both Andy's, right? You gotta you gotta have the the balance there to make this all work properly. Couple of items were presented by Prize Picks. The code you're looking for there is Rick. There's a link in the description. Hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred bucks. We are uh, back on them putting some really terrible lines out. So we'll get to that in in just a second but uh we are sitting in a weather delay andy and we don't know how long it's going to take at the john deere so we could look at the live odds we could look at the leaderboard i'll just pull up the leaderboard let's just start there yeah jt poston hasn't teed off yet and now seemingly that 1254 tee time is is going to be later depending on how long this lasts but he goes out and shoots a 62 for the second time in as many opening rounds for him he's he's feeling himself 
Yeah. So the weather delay is basically, it doesn't seem like it, the course is getting a ton of rain. It's more of like lightning in the area, right? I believe that they are concerned about electricity. Yes. It has not, as far as I've seen, rained a, a drop that could, that could change, but they were concerned about the electricity in the air. Right. So that's kind of the question I have for you, which is, I was very surprised yesterday at how challenging the course played, especially in the afternoon. Um, I I think it played like 0.75 over par in the afternoon. And I was going to, yeah, 0.65. Thank you. And I was going to say that, uh, if we got some rain, if we got a bunch of rain and the course softened up and the greens became more receptive, then we wouldn't see that uh, today, right? But it seems like we're we're not going to get a bunch of rain. The course is playing a lot easier today, so I would still feel like somebody who is kind of in the like a Lipsky or a Howell, um, obviously, or I guess even a Goddard up to. Um, our guys I'm looking at, but how do you think it's good? Do you think it's going to continue to play harder this week or, or, you know, are we starting to see that we have, we gotten the worst of it and we're starting to see that trend down? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to get, I think it's going to get easier. I think there's only so, so much that so much defense that they can put out there. And this has been an event that has been very, very consistent year over year in terms of like what the, what the scoring averages have been. It's basically been, 69 and a half for like five straight years, basically something like that. So, right. um, I, I think it'll eventually kind of get to that number despite playing harder than we, like it played over par, I think yesterday. So it'll, yeah. you know, I, I think it'll, I think it'll get easier. Yeah. Of this, you know, we're, this is not exactly a murderer's row of players on the first page of the leaderboard, <laughs> but who, who, who do you think kind of has the most staying power to you? Are you, are you, believing in the JT Poston thing. The thing that's interesting about Poston is, you know, when he won the Wyndham championship, like I'm pretty sure he made zero bogeys throughout that entire week. And he was just, he get, when he gets hot, he gets so hot and then he'll go away for like six months at a time. But he kind of seems like the streak, the streaky type of player that when he has it, you kind of want to ride him. Yeah, I mean, he he was literally last twenty four rounds coming into this event. He was the best player in the field. It was like one point two strokes gained per round, and it was with top ten finishes. Right, so right. he's kind of tapped into a little bit of the ceiling. So I'm not. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to be in the mix. I I like David Lipsky. I just love yeah. his game, and I and I and I like his ability. But there's like like Chris Goddard, right? Such an unknown entity. Obviously, mm. incredibly talented golfer he won the 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 haskins award we don't know what his ceiling is yet right and this is kind of a week where he might just show us that his ceiling is winning a pga tour event right um he's a unit i mean that guy hits the (laughs) ball yeah he's a big big boy and he hits the ball a long way um which i think on on a course like this with relatively wide fairways this is the type of course that he should be able to eat and just destroy these par fives and have a bunch of wedges in if he's driving it at least somewhere in the fairway so i agree with you on both of those guys i, I didn't bet goddard up pre-tournament i do have a hundred to one on lipsky pre-tournament that i'm feeling pretty good about some of the guys even at four like um 
I saw Svensson's at four. I I know he was a guy that I bet pre-tournament and is was also, I think, a very, a very popular uh pre-tournament bet. And then Scott Stallings is another guy who I, I think was a very popular option this week that started their round, their started their tournament well. So if you can get those guys in the 30 or 40 range, I think you could do a lot worse. Uh well, let's see. Because Poston is three mm, to one. Never mind. Got, got her up 10 to one. Stalling 16. Lipsky and Von Taylor at 20 and 22. Spenson at 28. Yeah, you're not getting much. Uh, you're not getting a deal here, I don't think, on, on any of these guys. Yeah, Spenson 28 isn't terrible, but no thanks on the Stalling 16 uh, for me. That that feels a, a little bit low. And even with the Poston thing, like I think. I think with Poston, I imagine that once they resume play, which I don't know if that's going to be. Did they give us an update, by the way? Or uh, just, I haven't seen one before we went before we got on air. I don't know if they've if they've yeah. made, if they've made an announcement. Yet. Basically, how it works is they delay it and then they give us an update like every forty five minutes or something like that, right? Right. Yeah. And so if, and if it and if it gets delayed too long, they'll let the guys rewarm up. Right. So I imagine, and I was looking into, um, I was looking into Saturday morning to see if anything got funkier for the guys on Saturday morning and Saturday looks to be pretty pristine as well. So even if some of those guys in the afternoon bleed over into Saturday morning, they might end up having an advantage because conditions on Saturday morning look pretty good too. Interesting. Um, you know, we talked about Chris Goddard up for just a second. Are are, are we just going to have Three or four of these guys every year got her up. Davis Riley, Cam Young, you know, it, you go back a couple of years, you get Zalatoris, and then you get the the Wolf Hovland, Morikawa crew. Like, we're just going to get just like stars every year who are like 22 years old. I think in a post Tiger era, yeah, I think that these guys are, are athletes, right? I, I think that's the biggest thing that has changed that I've noticed the most is that, you know, Goddard probably could be a football player or, or a baseball player. And like you watch Cam Young swing the club, like that guy's an athlete, right? So yes, I would imagine that the pipeline is extremely strong. I think the only thing that you have to worry about is some of those guys going to live, right? Like I, um, the Oklahoma state guy, Eugenia Chikara, 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 although he was very bad uh in round one of of live um again but i hate the fireballs anyway so no worries there for uh, me but four, yeah four I think, over four over 76 for chikara right although i heard pumpkin patch was playing firm and fast so we'll not we'll not get on him too much for that but yeah i mean i think that would be the only concern is that some of those guys might be going to live like i you know the past two u.s amateur winners Piot and Ogletree aren't very good. I don't think those guys were ever going to be stars, but Chikara could be a star, right? Pearson Cootie, um, he might be a star. Goderup, he might be a star, right? Ogletree's not playing in live this week. Is he just like done now? Has he been has he been cycled out of this? Yeah, so that's a great question that I've been wondering myself too. Like he shot, I think he shot like 85 in one of the rounds and finished in dead last my boy um saddam cake kwan janana um 
shot an 82 today. So you have to imagine that Saddam's on a pretty short lease as well. But I have no idea. Do they get relegated? I, I have no concept of how it works. Uh, I, we'll, we'll talk about them more on the other <laughs> side because there's there's other things I, I have questions about because they did they did say that they're, it's, they're trying to make it for next year where it's the same 48 guys, which introduces a lot of different wrinkles um which which we'll talk about but uh i want to get to i want to get to the props here because we actually okay. we are i mean they might push these start times back actually because yeah we got plenty of time on a lot of these so um we will look at the props on the other side we will talk through the live board see what's available and see what we can find but first we are going to take a quick 30 second break Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, let's prop it like it's hot here. Here's the board over at Prize Picks. And I don't know if you were accessing Twitter while you were gone, but mm. you know how we were wondering whether these birdie or better matchups were a trap or not? Yes. Uh, I don't think they are. So last week, the headliner, just blindly following the headliner, was like 26, 10, and 2. And then the week before that, I think they were big winners as well. I haven't gotten the numbers for yesterday yet but i don't think it's a trap <laughs> trap at the moment <laughs> you know you're right because the past couple of weeks that i've been playing i've been doing quite well just taking the very simple strategy of taking the better player although i will say looking at it today it does seem like they've tightened up the matchups a little bit. Like, yeah, like Matt McNeil Fenson. Yeah. Right. Right. Matt McNeely probably should be matched up with Cam Davis. Those are, you know, Denny McCarthy, Nick Hardy. All these guys are now a lot closer in betting odds and DraftKings prices. So there's not that one kind of glaring, oh, this guy stands out the most. You know, Cam Davis and Matt McNeely, both of those guys, I bet pre tournament. Cam Davis, so I tracked them a bit yesterday. Cam Davis was a lot more impressive to me than Mav McNeely, although both played well and kind of stumbled down the stretch. So I, I'm really high on Davis going forward, and that's probably the one over McNeely that stands out the most to me. He also makes a ton of birdies, by the way. He he makes a ton of birdies. Very Not high that Mav doesn't, but right. yeah. Um, the other thing is, I wonder if these are intentionally closer or if that's the nature of the field that we have this week, where right. I think a lot of guys are kind of, similar so we'll we'll keep an eye on this now the strokes yesterday were were like i think they were all 69 and a half or something like that they've been adjusted down to basically 68 and a half or 69 the course playing close to two shots over under par last time i checked so if you think that um you know these guys are going to go out and gain like a half a stroke a stroke on the field like you're kind of on the underside of these yeah you know, I, I feel like these lines are pretty fair. No, I mean, the only one that 
I think it's really, really, I don't have the data of this up in front of me, but just anecdotally, I know how difficult it is to follow up a really, really low round. Mm -hmm. So I think posting over, not that 69 is like a terrible round here, by the way, either. That's still shooting two under par. I mean, if he shoots 69 and is at 11 under par, there's a decent chance he might even be in the lead heading into the weekend. So I'd probably take the over on posting there. Yeah. And the, that was, I was, I was in the same boat, but I was thinking under five birdies. Right. I like that too. He has to make six to burn you. Right. Yeah. Is he going to make six birdies or better today? Uh, right. What he made, I mean, we shot, shot like the round of his life yesterday and made eight, I think. Right. He had, he had seven birdies and an Eagle and he's got to make six today to beat you. Feels, yeah. Feels pretty strong. Um, yeah, you know that that might be the one to target a little bit even more is the total number of birdies. Um even more so than the stroke because you're right, 5 does seem steep to me, a little steep. Yeah, these guys uh and I think yesterday they smashed the greens in regulation. I, like basically all these guys went over yesterday. Um because Lucas Glover is already out. So I think he Lucas Glover was kind of like the one guy that that burned everybody, but otherwise these guys are just hitting a ton of greens. If they're, I don't think there's going to get any, I don't think they're going to get any rain or water on the course during this little weather delay. But if they do, it only helps these, right? Like there's only upside in hitting more greens and hitting more fairways if the course is wet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, the greens, like again, 14, if for posting to hit 14 of 18 greens, that feels like a lot. I know you said that most of them went over yesterday. 14 to me feels pretty high, um, but does. I guess these greens are pretty receptive. It does, but uh, so historically, well, I have the, I have the, uh, hold on, let me find somebody who is going out this afternoon. So like Denny or Poston or McNeil. Yeah. Okay. Um, McNeely historically has gone has hit 13 or more greens in seven of the nine rounds he's played here. Well, wow. I don't know, which is like, I, again, f- you know, past performances do not indicate future returns or whatever, but like, I don't know. I, I think the, I think they are, I think they're quite easy to hit. Yeah, no, you know, it's interesting. It made me think about how, like in the NFL, you always take the highest over unders over and the lowest over unders yeah. under. Right. So maybe you kind of want to want to approach it from that sense. Yeah, because it's like books know that it's either going to be really high or really low, but they can't like they can't set a total to like sixty five and be like right. bet, bet the over on this. They got to entice you a little bit. Right, uh, right, exactly. Other thing I noticed, and I don't know if you uh, have been following this week <laughs> the live golf props are are available right strokes and birdies are better which um yesterday what was the leader at five so so carlos ortiz shot a 67 that was the best score that was out there so there's a pretty wide range of props i don't i don't know if i have enough information or enough thoughts to make a lean on any of these um yeah i mean i I did not do any research on Pumpkin Ridge. 
Um, I did not spend a ton of time watching Liv. I kind of, I followed what was going on through Twitter and I talked to a bunch of people that watched it and I caught some highlights um, this morning just to be prepared for if we were going to talk about it a little bit. But it's hard for me to sit here and feel confident about an edge that I would normally have with the PGA tour, like a golf course that we have data on and players that we have data on. This feels a little bit more like a bet, uh, a guessing game. I will say just like I test wise, Wolf does not really look like he's got it going on right now too much. I think Pat Perez shot a low round. I think he's probably a decent candidate for a little bit of regression. Same with Carlos Ortiz. And then, man, they've got Phil high. Like they're just there. I thought it was interesting that Phil and McDowell are McDowell's been horrible. Like in the four rounds that he's played at live. So is Kevin. Nah. Yeah. They've been like uh, Greg McDowell might be super washed. Like, I think he shot a 78 yesterday. He had a 78 in London. I think he had one good round in London, but it was like the final round when he was already out of it. This McDowell might be super washed. Yeah. And Carl Charles Schwartz wins it gets the 4 million and then shoots like 77 in the, in the first round. Too. Can, can you blame him? No. Uh, okay. I think that's all the props that we have. All right. So use the code Rick link in the description. Uh, we'll continue to talk about live. I've got a couple other things I want to talk about as well. And we are heading into a very, very interesting stretch of golf. We'll talk more about that on the other side. If you're not playing Daily Fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing Daily Fantasy. They offer nothing but props, and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over-under and can win up to ten times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf-specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props that's right what score will a golfer make on a specific hole i have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries and now prize picks is offering a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 just use the code rick at sign up or click the link in the description that's code rick good luck uh, okay, Andy, a little bit of breaking news here. Uh, the John Deere Classic will resume at 1145 Central. So that's in about 20 minutes or so. And they nice. have moved tea times back uh, an hour. So it seems like they'll get everything in today. Okay, cool. No, that's awesome. All right. I love that. So we'll get some more golf this afternoon. Um, yeah, it seems like they should be able to. These are like the longest days of the year this time of year right yes yeah like we'll be by fine far. they've got so much sunlight yeah i'm like going to bed while the sun is still out it's outrageous how how late the sun is out here right because both both you and i are kind of um early bed early riser type guys Correct. right yeah 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 i'm usually up at are you up before six every morning Oh, I, yeah, I unfortunately have not slept past. I cannot sleep my, like, even with no alarm, my, I cannot sleep past six o'clock. My body. Wow. Okay. I'm usually like six, six 30. So you're, you're even earlier than me. Yeah. Which means I go to bed at like nine 30. So (laughs) 
there's the other side of it too. Um, let's circle back on live for a second here. So obviously they're playing today, round two, event two. This one's in Portland. There was a report yesterday, uh, and it was in Golf Digest as well, that for next year, the plan is 14 events and the same 48 golfers, which I believe causes a couple of ripple effects, Andy. Um, Mm -hmm. One, to this point, in my opinion, the best part, the best thing could be the teams, and they've totally botched it with with uh, half a draft and then assigning teams or whatever. But if 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 guys are not going to rotate teams and rotate in and out next year, that is objectively much more compelling. Uh, and the other thing is, that means there's going to be like a hard deadline for guys to join, right? Because if they're going to say 48 golfers, same golfers, every event next year. You can't let somebody come in six events in. Now, maybe they will, but like that would indicate to me that when they start their season, uh, there's not going to be a lot of like in-season guys going over there. Right. And you're definitely a little more plugged in than I am on this stuff. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the next big wave is going to come. Eli actually just said it in the chat after the tour championship, right? Because there are players that probably want to try their hand at the FedEx cup and then sign over to live right after and kind of get the best of both worlds. No. Yes. I think, I think we're going to see probably a couple guys go after the open championship just because they want to play a major championship unbothered by questions and Meet, no media obligations about live. Yeah. Correct. And I, and then I think you're going to see basically what, what I believe like the, the last bunch for a while, like the last logical time to go is after the tour championship. I keep throwing Patrick Cantlay under the bus here, but like if you're Patrick Cantlay and let's say you did want to go to live, wouldn't you take a crack at winning $18 million on the FedEx cup first? And the way that the schedule is designed for live is that if you did go after the tour championship, you'd only miss three events because five of them are after the tour championship uh, on the schedule. So I believe that will be kind of a chunk of guys will go or whatever. And then by that point, if you like, everyone's made their decision by that point, right? You're either going or you're not. Uh, You've seen how this has played out for three, for, for three events. You have the idea of what other guys are getting monetarily. Like, I don't think there's going to be a lot of seismic changes after that. Right. So I think we can both agree that there's probably a pretty good chance that after the tour championship, Liv's going to get a couple more guys, right? Whether those guys are Cantlay or Hideki or who knows, they're definitely going to get guys that are probably higher quality than my boy Saddam. So my question is what, what happens to the other guys did maybe Saddam and Andy Ogletree ended up being the smartest guys in the room because they're not even good enough to fill out the field. So they, did they get guaranteed money and now they just get guaranteed money to not play? I hope they have good agents, right? I I hope they got paid in advance and they got, you know, money up front and guaranteed. And then they can, like, if I was Andy Ogletree and I have no idea what happens, but let's assume they gave him 
$2 million, right? That's kind of like what they offered uh, Pearson Cootie. Like, let's say he got $2 million guaranteed, wired to his bank account two months ago. And then Greg Norman's like, all right, bud, like, listen, sorry, keep the money. We don't need you anymore. We're filling out this field. If I were Andy Ogletree, I'd be one, thrilled, and I would two, be like, hands and knees begging to get back to the PGA tour <laughs> and just be like, I'll like, like, I just got my buddy. Let me bounce now. Right. I mean, I think to be honest with you, I, I think part of it is that Ogletree maybe knows deep down that he's not good enough to be a successful member of the PGA tour. So this does end up being his best case scenario. Um, I'm very curious to see how it evolves because you know, I th- the one biggest point that I wanted to make about this is that it is a startup, right? And so startups generally change a lot in the first year and a half. And it do- you do see them kind of shooting by the hip. And it seems like they're making things up a little bit as they go and trying different things. I have no understanding of why they scrapped the draft. I don't, I don't really understand what's going on there. And then what's the point of the draft if some of the teams are already preordained and predecided. So I'm very curious if things are going to look a lot different at the start of next year for them. And this was kind of the trial period. Well, I think they, I think they, uh, yes, they're definitely going to evolve. They're definitely going to change The team thing, in my opinion, is the best thing. I I want that for all tours, but you can't have it. You can't be half in on teams. You either have to have captains that draft new teams every single week, which I think would be incredibly fascinating. Um, But they, but these guys, they want to play with their friends, right? There's a reason the South African guys are all together because they're buddies and they want to play together. And, and like, it's, you know, Westwood and McDowell or whatever, like they just want to play with you. They, they want to play with each other. So, okay. In that case, then you can't be having guys swap in and swap out of the league all year long. It, it defeats the whole person. So you either have to have drafts every week or preset teams right now. They have neither, but if they get to preset teams, like that's a much, much, much more compelling format. Right. So, I want to ask you because I, I think I kind of feel differently um, about this in you. I, I have no need for teams in, in golf. I have zero interest in it. I think it's an individual sport. I love that. It's an individual sport. Um, I love the competitive starvation around the Ryder cup. I think the Ryder cup is maybe the most fun weekend every two years as a golf fan. And I think if we got something closer to the Ryder Cup every week or once every month or even every other year, it would diminish some of the value of what I believe to be the most fun event in the world as it regards to golf. So I'm kind of on the other side. I have zero interest in teams at all. I don't I don't like it at all. I I, I, I don't know who asked for it. I don't need it. I don't want it. So what is it about the teams that you think could work because I may be I may be short-sighted or missing something on the team stuff. So I guess it is uh at least it is at least one step closer to what my golf utopia is, which is teams that are formed by a meritocracy 
that are, uh, you know, you could sign free agents. You could trade guys. Uh, Ricky Fowler would be released from a team because he's not playing very well. You'd have a year-long, not news cycle, but, like, the NFL is so compelling because right the draft, the training camp, free agency, trades, all of that. The other thing is, and I agree with you, I don't need to see these guys necessarily play like a scramble or alternate shot or anything like that. They are playing their own individual ball and just taking the best score from you know each day. I think that it is generally good to incentivize every golfer to be as engaged as possible for every single round. So if you're Graham McDowell and you shoot 78-78, you could still post a 66 in the final round and contribute to your team, which I think is... I believe that's more compelling when guys are engaged throughout as opposed to playing the weekend, knowing you're 15 shots back and trying to just get out of town. Right. I think you make a really, I think you make a really good point about extending the off season and making things kind of matter more, even on the weeks when you don't have a tournament. Right. So like I know a ton of people that, are obsessed with the NBA offseason and they right. can't get enough of what's going on with Kevin Durant. Right. And right now, right now, right now, the NBA is a massive story and zero games are being played for like right. the next few months. Right. And I know people that are super, super interested in that stuff. And then when the season starts, it's like, ah, whatever. Like I, I'm way more interested in the drama than I am the actual games being played. I agree with you. I, I think I think you raise good points. I think my only like the other side of that though is what happens if um I, you know I'm just making this up because I don't have all the teams down pat, but say the guy in the lead shoots a six under par and like he's doing great, but keep throwing Saddam under the bus, but you know, his teammates shoot like 82, right? Like it's, it's an interesting dichotomy, but I guess the, you could say, well, even if your team stinks, that's why they have an individual title too. Right. Yeah. And, and I think they only take, you know, the best two scores. So if you and somebody else, yeah. And then in the round, in the third round, they take the best three, which they overthought, they overthought the whole, they overthought the whole team thing. They had, yeah. they had the good model. It's like, hey, make this like F1 or whatever. And it's like, okay, we will, but we're going to handpick some of these teams. We're going to do a draft week one. We're not going to do it week two. We're going to change the rules from day two to day three. Like, Greg, you overthought it, buddy. Just like, you know, relax a little bit. See, the fact I am like the most obsessive golf fan you'll ever meet. The fact that I didn't even know, like, is, is this written down on their website? Uh, all the I don't rules. remember because it took me like a long time to like, I, I think I had, cause I've also like, um, like I've also seen the stuff that they sent to the media, which is much more comprehensive. The website right. is like, uh, I mean, I mean, I could build that website in, in 24 hours and there's not a ton of information on it, but they, they do send out more like in media releases, which is how I have, have had to figure all this stuff out. Right. I mean, I know they don't have one in Vegas, I don't think, this year. But would you be interested in going to cover one of them just to check it out? Um, I, I think the answer has to be yes, right? I mean, yeah. 
just to uh, just to see it, right? I mean, uh, golf tournaments in general are very different when you get there. And I think being there, feeling the vibe, um, talking to some guys, I think is of value. I don't know what I would expect to see or how different it would be from a regular tour event or a major championship or the contrast there. But yeah, I think like, like if they, if they announced that they were going to shadow Creek in November, yeah. I'd be like, okay, like, I'll just like, I'll go, I'll go. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that kind of does rub me the wrong way about it. And again, it's a startup. So I understand why they're doing this, but have you noticed how it's almost like, uh, Norman and the PR guys are like telling the commentators and the players, like go all in on how happy you are. Like, you need to keep banging the drum of how happy you are. And to me, it just, it, the more you have to tell somebody, Oh my gosh, all of our concessions are out. Every year, 6,000 people on grounds. Patrick Reed's wife has never seen him smile so much in two days. It's a different vibe. It's a different atmosphere. I get why they're doing it, but it, it rings a little hollow to me. And it's kind of a sign that, okay, if you're trying this hard to make everybody know how happy and how great you are, that might be a sign of, you know, a more of an impending sense of doom to come. It just seems so phony, right? Right. Yeah. Like Jerry Fultz, who, I mean, I hope he's getting a ton of money because he is just the, the mouthpiece. Uh, to, to describe how, yeah, the merchandise stand, which was so well stocked, perfectly stocked, is now running low. It's like, okay, but like one, no one gives a shit. And two, yeah. like, it's, it's, such a, it's such a try hard. Which I, yeah. I I know rubs me definitely rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, and listen, I, again, it's too early to judge. Like you know, the amount of viewers on YouTube, the amount of people that go to the event, like it's unfair to totally judge a startup in their second month. But there are a lot of um, aspects of it that. I'm just really curious about the staying power because I mean, how many of the people that you think are tuning in to live right now are tuning in because of the curiosity aspect and the spectacle aspect. And that's something we talked about a little bit before. Once that passes, what's their main, what's the sell? I, don't know. Um, I, I mean, I guess the sell is going to continue to be. We have Brooks Kepka, we have Phil Mickelson, we have Bryson DeChambeau, we have these guys that you know. And none of those guys like. are breaking par, though. Like, like what? It, what? What happens if those guys don't play well? Which is another good point that I don't know. Ricky Fowler is like still like the most popular golfer on the planet, and he hasn't played well yeah. in three years. Yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a fair response. It's a fair rebuttal. But one of the most interesting points that I've heard um, might have been your colleague Kyle Porter that was tweeting about this. But like, are these guys that go to live, are they going to stay competitive? And how are we going? Because the only 
time that we're really going to be able to judge the state of their game is the majors. And you have to worry that a lot of these guys, are they going to stay sharp? Are they going to still contend in, in majors? Like, let me ask you a question. If Brooks is, if Brooks finishes T 35 in the live event and they hang a 60 or 70 to one on him at the open championship, like, are you, are you betting that? Oh boy. I, I mean, I've or, made a lot of, I've made a lot of bad bets, but like, n- n- no, I'm not right. Yeah. Also because he hasn't been that good otherwise. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you can sub in any of those guys too, Rick, like, like DJ 40, 50 to one Bryson, maybe a hundred to one. He's been a hundred to one in recent That's PGA true. tour events and majors like Brooks. Like how, how do we, how do we judge these? How do we judge these guys? Right. I mean, Lev doesn't even, I think we get traditional stats from mm-hmm. Lev, Right. But mm-hmm. I mean, even if you're doing strokes gain, like if the baseline is like Jediah Morgan and I'm done with Saddam. He's taken enough drive-bys already. But if the baseline is Jediah Morgan, right, then, then you know, how much does your five strokes gained on the field really matter, right? So it, it, what's, what's the most fascinating thing for me to see is do the guys that go to live, will any, let me ask you this again, any of the guys that have gone to live, so Bryson, Brooks, DJ, do any of them win a major in the next three years? Oh, okay. That's a good question. And I think the, like, I would heavily bet the no side of this because one, Mm. there's just so many guys who can win majors. And if you handpicked five or six guys, I would say, no, they don't win one anyway. But, um, I'm like a big believer. Like I've unfortunately been in the OWGR calculation and like, I've been deep down that rabbit hole. I'm of the belief that Liv is not going to get OWGR points anytime soon. And I'm of the belief that it, and and I've started to run the numbers on this. If like in, by the time we get to the masters, these guys are going to have their, their OWGR ranks tank. And I don't even think there, there's a chance. There's a pretty good chance. These guys don't play in majors, let alone win them because they're not going to qualify for them. There's obviously exceptions in Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepkin guys that have qualifications via victory, but I, I think there's a chance they don't even get to play them. And it's not because the majors are banning them. It's because they're not going to qualify. Yeah. Because I, and I don't know, did more, the OWGR stuff has always been the most fascinating thing to me because they really seem like the organization with the most power. Did more stuff kind of come off on, come up on this recently? Cause I, I want to stay with the OWGR thing for a second. So they are notoriously secretive on the application process. Why or why will, will they not admit tours? What, you know, how they, they're, they're notoriously very secretive in that manner. Um, I have spoken with a couple of people who are much more knowledgeable about it than I am and kind of know some of these guys at the WGR. So there's kind of two things going against them here, uh, going against live. There's, there's seven board members, uh, that are going to make this decision. Two of them are the PGA tour and the DP world tour. So they don't have two votes. I'll tell you that for free. Yeah. So they're going to have to get what four of the other five to vote in favor. 
Um, there is a lot of speculation that they will not issue points to a tour of only 54 holes with no cut and that they will not. This is the other one that I'm, I'm like, I, I trust a source that the OWGR will not issue points to a tour uh, unless their average participants for the year is like 70 or 75. And the PGA Tour can get points for the Tour Championship and the, all these WGCs because on average, they are over 70 participants in every event. So there are a few things that I think are really going to keep o, the, the live guys away. And after all that, Andy, after all that, even let's assume that, okay, we are going to issue live OWGR points. They could sit on that decision for 18 months. And in 18 months, these guys are like – 300th in the world. Yeah. Well, Michael Kaiser in the chat brings up, well, they'll go to the Asian tour. Does right. that, could that, could that yes, work? Which, which is fine, but wasn't the whole point to play less golf. These yeah. guys are going to have to coordinate a schedule that is them going together and playing at the same time. Cause they need to, they need like Brooks can't go and be by far the best player in an Asian tour event, it's not going to get enough points. They need to decide together, hey, we'll all go, five or six of us are going to go and play five or six Asian tour events in addition to the live golf events, in addition to the majors. And if you don't play well at the Asian tour events, my God, then what happens, right? So it's like, yes, there are other ways to get there, but doesn't that go against all this bullshit that they're talking about now about playing less golf and all this stuff, like if they go and grind eight Asian tour events a year, they're going to just have to say, I went for the money. They're going to have to. Yeah. And by the way, they are committed in their contract to play what will be 14 live events next year. So now if you have to play four majors, 14 live events, eight Asian tour events, that's a bigger schedule than <laughs> yeah. what you would get on the PGA tour by a lot. Not to mention the fact that those, a lot of those events are all over the world, right. As opposed to the PGA tours in the United States, essentially. Do you think one of the last questions for you, cause I know we're, we're running up against the time, but this is something I saw that was, I was thinking about too, that a couple of people in the chat are talking about as well with, do you think the guys that made the move to live, do you think they, were really kind of cocky about the idea that, oh, we're just going to go. They're not really going to ban us from majors. Or do you think some of the guys that went to live have really reconciled with the fact that they may be giving up the majors? Like at 30 years old for Taylor Gooch, do you think he's considered the fact that he will never play in a major championship again? Or it's just, uh, you know, these guys are fine. They're wiping their butts with a hundred dollar bills. They don't care. Kind of school thought. Yeah. I think it's that one. I think it's, yeah. I think it's, Hey, we'll probably be able to play the majors. And if I never play a major again, they gave me $50 million and I play for $4 million, 14 times a year. Yeah. Yeah. Like was like if Taylor Gooch is real with himself, that the likelihood of Taylor Gooch winning a major in the next 10 years was very, very small. Right. Right. And maybe he said, I will take the money instead. Yeah. Which I understand. I, I, I can't blame him for making that 
decision at all. It kind of goes back to the thing that Nick Faldo was saying pretty eloquently on the broadcast. I'm going to paraphrase here, but you know, I think the one thing you have to think about with these guys is yes, of course, obviously the money's great, but you still have to find like meaning and purpose in your life. And I thought that that was very powerful the way that he said that. And I think if you look at some of these guys during their press conferences, instead of especially Phil and Brooks, and I'm not sitting here and saying that at this stage of the game, they regret their decision. Um, But I do think that these guys that went to live, every single one of them are only in the position that they were in because they are in the top 0.0000.1% of competitiveness, right? You cannot be a professional athlete without being one of the most competitive people in the world. And I do wonder if like at a certain point, you know, it's sick when the money hits your bank account and it's probably going to be sick for the next year having that money in your bank account. But five, six years from now, when you're completely irrelevant from mainstream golf and haven't played in a master's in five years, like, are they going to be happy that that's kind of the, you're making, you're making a trade. It's, it's a deal. Right. And, and I think how that deal pays off to you internally is probably different for every person. Uh, Will Zalatoris, uh, and we'll, we can get out of here, but Will Zalatoris tweets out that he is uh, not going anywhere, which I, I love that he says <laughs> there've been a lot of rumors surrounding live golf and of specific guys potentially leaving. Now I've begun to hear rumors that I might be going to live. I've heard every rumor about every player. I've not heard a single one about Will Zalatoris ever going, but maybe he has. And he felt the need, Andy, to let us know that he is not. <laughs> right, which is awesome. It's just like an awesome flex from Zalatoris. I mean, I, I, I'm I, with you. I have been had my ear to the ground with this stuff, and I've not heard him mentioned positively or negatively regarding the live stuff at all. But, you know, I, I, I like this move for him. Zalatoris is a guy that we haven't talked about a lot in terms of what it would mean if the PGA tour lost him. But to me, and this is maybe just because I'm so high on his talent, he's like a top five to 10 guy in terms of importance. And I think, especially if you are correct about them potentially not being able to play in major championships, Zalatoris is the type of guy that could finish his career with four majors Right. So why would he ever, 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 ever in a million years want to take that risk? I agree with you. I agree with you. And this this it's reeks of like, well, nobody's asked me if I'm going to live. I'm just gonna tweet it out, which I think is hilarious. But uh good on you, Will. All right, Andy. We are uh we're entering kind of an interesting little week because uh Tiger's gonna play golf on Monday. It's gonna play Monday on television. JP McManus Pro Am. We're gonna scoot right over to the Scottish Open which is now a co-sanctioned event. And then before you know it, open championship. So we're going to have to adjust our body clocks, sir, because, uh, oh boy, for me, that's like eight hours ahead. And the East Coast, Andy, that's like five hours ahead. Have you seen the Scottish Open field, by the way? It's sick. Stacked. Yeah. So is the J.P. McManus, by the way, for what it's worth. How about this? J.P. McManus, there have been, there have been 25 if player men ever to be the number one player in the world since they started doing this 25 ever 
13 of them are playing the JP McManus Pro-Am. <laughs> Over half. Who, who is JP McManus? Do we know? Uh, I looked this up. I think he's like a banker, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. Hold on. I was looking this up. He's. I think he's like a banker. It's like Charles Schwab or something. Uh, hold on. He is okay. a Irish businessman and racehorse owner. Wow. Oh, and he's one of the, here we go. This is probably the big, this is probably the thing that people would know. He's one of the biggest shareholders of Manchester United, which, uh, sounds pretty good. Yeah. And I believe that it's at Adair Manor, right? Which is, is, that'll be cool to get a look at because I think they have the Ryder cup there in two, in 20 years. Yeah. Uh, six, eight years, maybe. I don't know. So it was supposed to be 2026 or seven or whatever, but then it was moved back a year. So whatever they're, whatever, uh, whatever they're on, even or odds now. It's like, right. That uh, right. Also JP McManus bought that resort, that, that whole thing. So yeah, makes, makes sense. Pretty sick. Um, last question for you. I feel like this has gotten a little bit swept under the rug because of all the live stuff. Where do we stand on, tiger open championship week like there's been the occasional there was a picture that came out he was like practicing his swing at a soccer game like what's our i'm in i'm in yeah everyone was talking about oh just wait till st andrews st andrews is his best shot like where do we stand at at uh i I mean i'll be at i'll be at full froth by the time we get there thursday i mean i i think that i think that you know if we go back to january we would have said this is the best spot for him. We would have said that. The walk, the setup, an open championship, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I think it was pretty brilliant to skip the U.S. Open as much as I would have loved to have seen him there. That place would have eaten him alive. Um, And then this this J.P. McManus thing, I know it's like a fun, silly little hit and giggle, but for Tiger, who was not going to play the week before a major championship anyway, this gives him like, just enough of interesting, I don't even want to call them like competitive reps, but like quasi competitive reps. Yeah. I, I think like this, it, it really shaped up to be like a good schedule for him, I think. Yeah. So we've done this game every major with Tiger and it's been, we've done it in like the low forties. I'm going to bump it up a little bit to put, put the pressure on you. If I gave you like, T25 with Tiger. Oof. Are you going over or under? I was hoping you were going to make it like 35. Um, yeah. I still think, uh, even though it is flat, like he's still going to have to walk like seven miles a day or something like that, whatever it ends yeah. up being. Um, which I, I still think we are going to get like his best golf on Thursday and Friday. Like I'm almost certain of it. So yeah. I would still probably take the over here but if it was 35 i'd think about it because i i do think that um and i think what we're gonna get is i think we're gonna get spurts of really good golf i think whether it's like six whole stretches at a time or maybe he's like two under after round one you know i mean i think we're gonna get some some a little bit of magic right whether it's just creative shots that he pulls off or six or seven holes at a time i think we're gonna see some good stretches yeah well i'm incredibly excited either way we're this is, I cannot believe that this is the last major of the year. It feels like we, it's just all cramped together, but um, I couldn't be more excited. I've heard, I had a friend who was at the old course a week and a half ago, just as they were putting the grandstands up. Um, this is typically, you know, 
Eh, it's close with the U.S. Open. I'd say still this is probably my favorite major. So um, I'm pumped, man. We got some fun stuff coming up. All right. Well, we will be here to cover it all. Uh, you can follow Andy on Twitter. He is available at ADP Lack Sports. You can find me at Rick Run Good. Armina does all the hard work behind the scenes. Mina, uh, run, run the outro. See ya. <laughs>